What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half-Court for today, September 7th, 2022. I'm your host, Sean Murphy, alongside my guy, as usual, Jeff. Hi, Afraidy. Jeff, how's it going today, brother? It's going good. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I love doing these with you guys. Podcasts are always the highlight of the week, but uh, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about, so I'm excited. Dude, we even got the hair going today. We even get to see the Jeff Afraidy haircut, let, dude. Letting it out, dude. I need a haircut bad. Yeah. I do. You, I'm right there with you, dude. I, I I need one very bad. But also a guy that doesn't need a haircut because he's looking great up there in that top right corner is Troy Sergey. Troy, how's it going, brother? Going good, Sean. Excited to watch. Uh, well, tonight being Tuesday night, some WNBA conference finals. We mm-hmm. may know the finals tonight uh, if I had to put money on it. Uh, which I did, uh, it would be uh, <laughs> Las Vegas Aces and Chicago Sky. That would be my finals uh, hope because, man, Candace Parker's been playing great. Enjoyed watching her. Uh, Seattle's been putting up a good fight against Las Vegas, but I just feel like with with Gray and all those girls and uh, that Vegas has, I feel like Vegas is going to come on top. So, yes, WNBA has occupied my life uh, the past week for basketball, but, boy, do I hope. Uh, the NBA season comes fast because we have a lot to talk about. The East is getting better. The Central Conference division is getting better. And, um, man, I thought I was excited for last year's season, but this season even more so. So Yeah, man, that Central Conference division, it will come out and get you. But, no, in all seriousness, man, this is From Half Court Reach, and every week we talk all things NBA basketball. If you like that, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel down below, and also be sure to share with your friend and leave a positive review so that someone like you can come and find a podcast and join the conversation about all things NBA basketball, all things Detroit Pistons, and even more. And Troy, you alluded to it, man. It's been it's been a a slow season, but at the same time, a lot's been happening. I uh, I do want to say uh, this is a personal thing that's been happening for me. I got really mad because I've been like, man how in the heck can I watch all this Euro basket? Like I've been wanting to like watch this so bad it's on ESPN plus that I could have been watching this watching it this entire time. So like I'm, I'm going to, that was definitely... my bad. I, I should have told you cause I've been watching it. <laughs> you bet. Anyway, bad. no, you bastard go <laughs> yourself. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. Dude, I, I will say from what I've seen, let's, let's talk Euro basket real quick. Just about like, you know, first of all, like what it is, what's going on. So like a lot of times in international play, you know, outside of the United States, you know, we generally only pay attention to our national team once every four years when we're going to get the medal. However, um, you know, a lot of these countries actually need to go through the process of qualifying, playing through Euro Cup and a lot of these different things. So uh, currently there's like qualifiers like the FIBA World Cup and like World Cup stuff going on. So um, we've seen Giannis Jokic uh, have an incredible game this last week. Uh, Luka Doncic, in in international play is just a different beast. Yeah, he's, di- he's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might say that if Luca keeps going at this rate, he might be the best at international basketball of all time. Mm-hmm. Like if he keeps going on this pace, because yeah. think about it, man. Slovenia wasn't even qualifying before he started playing, and they got the bronze medal in the Olympics. <laughs> like like yeah. the things that he is doing. For, for his national team at such a young age boggles my mind because it's almost an entirely different game than the NBA game too with all the different rules that are out there and everything. So, Jeff, 
since since you since you were you know purposefully holding that information back from me and watching that basketball like 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 someone I'm just kidding man. Uh, what were your thoughts? What were your takeaways? And uh, what what do you think is something that people don't understand about like FIBA basketball? Or like, what's something about like FIBA basketball that you like? Personally, and, and you, Troy kind of brought up it already with the WNBA. I like watching other leagues. Like I, I like watching European basketball f- because of what you just said, actually. And when Luka Doncic, that's someone that's been you, you brought him up already. That's been standing out to me. And you, we've been talking on Twitter. He sent me the clip of Luka hitting that shot from deep. If, if I'm not mistaken, was it you or somebody else? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I sent that. No, because I, I remember seeing that. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, yeah, I need to tune into this. And I started watching Luka Doncic, and my God, he may be. And I'm glad you brought it up because he may be the most skilled. European player in terms of everything he could do Jokic is up there as well like he's only getting better and that's the scary part but for European basketball I think what people don't understand is especially Americans we we tend to think basketball is universal which it is but there's different styles like when I tune into these European games man like it's you're watching and and I'm not trying to diss the NBA but it's less finesse if that makes sense yeah like it's more fundamental basketball and that's something that personally i do enjoy i like watching and then you br- you see luca bring that finesse but also bring that fundamental style which he's had since he was damn near what 15 16 years old and that's what kind of mixes it up getting to see guys like Giannis, Jokic, it's it's amazing man i enjoy it personally i've been catching every single game but just to tune into a game you you after the game you'll be like you know what i got to tune into another one because it really yeah. is it's great it's good basketball yeah, even 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 Giannis just today as a recording had a forty-two point game for Greece. Like, like dude, you get to thing. watch the best, yeah, NBA players go out and, and play really well against the physicality of the uh, European basketball. So yeah, uh, it's it's great to see. Yeah, as for Americans. Sure. Yeah, I know, I know Luca. I, I know like kind of like I, I feel like the big names that have been high, highlighting Eurobasket specifically, Luca's obviously one for how amazing he's been. Troy, I don't know if you've seen this yeah. shot or not, but dude, Luca just got Jason the ball, too. got up to the top of the key. This guy's out yeah. with a logo <laughs> splash. Yeah. And Jason yeah. Kidd is literally just sitting there like, huh? Yeah. When but also, coach, guys, in the 2020 Olympics, Luca put on a similar show. Do you guys remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. yeah. It would be but last listen. summer, 2021, but for the 2020 Olympics. Um, he was balling out just as much as he did here. And and really, we, what we saw last year from Luca, I think we could have well, – the precursor to that was indeed the Olympics. And I think this right here, we're watching right here, right now, this is the precursor to see what Luca's going to be like in year five now. Dude, that's um, crazy. Imagine if he goes and – what if they get a silver medal placing at the Olympics? Like, what if they – what if they get a bronze again? Even if they do, like that's like such an accomplishment. And, and you know, it's like one of those things. Where, like this clip's funny, but like few coaches ever watch their own player play and have this type of look. Mm-hmm. When you have this type of look on your face, and mind you, that's not just any man that's having that look. Yeah, that's Jason Kidd. Yeah. He's done a couple amazing things himself. So that's been crazy. Um, and, like and you other- think. And oh, on top of that, you think he sees Luca enough to right, where he isn't say that. surprised yeah. by it, but he's still like, my God, this guy just keeps getting better and better and better. And, and that's the funny part, too, because you watch him in the postseason, you watch Luca, the best player on a Mavericks team that went all the way to the Western Conference Finals, and then you watch him in, and now the, the Euro League, the Euro Cup, and now he's out there playing well as well. So it just translates. His game is like, is truly universal. He could play in any league. You drop him anywhere, yep. he's, he's, he's no doubt the best player. Yeah, I, I truly think he he's on pace. If he keeps doing stuff like this, he's going to be remembered as the, as the best player in international play of all time. 
Like, I really believe that. Like, I, I know, and I know it's a bold thing to say because I know Giannis is, you know, goes hard for Greece every time he's out there. I, I know Nikola Jokic is a guy that, that, you know, plays really hard for his country, but what Luca's doing right now, like, like, like you even said, Troy, the precursor that was that Olympics, that Olympic run, people don't realize, like, again, Slovenia never even qualified for Olympic play. Mm-hmm. They got a bronze. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, literally going from the bottom to the top three hey, nations yeah i mean an- another comparison i can think of is uh the 1979 uh college basketball scene you have indiana state who's literally mid mid peak in their uh missouri valley conference like mid of the conference so definitely not an unranked team but then they're the number two number one team in the country because of one player larry bird right it- it's the similar impact that you can have, sure you can have those types of players in the NBA, but it's more obvious in, in leagues like the FIBA or even college basketball itself. So, can I can I just give one more piece that makes this even more crazy and impressive? Slovenia as a country didn't even gain its independence until 1991, so they didn't join Olympic play in basketball or or, or national play in basketball until 1992. Guys, that's a couple years before the dream team. Yeah. In that, yeah. like, to build a program to get to this point, to get to a to a bronze in a quarter of a century because of one kid. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. So I feel like we had to shout that out at the beginning because everything Luka Don- like Luka Doncic is truly unreal. Uh, another guy that's been talked about quite a bit in the opposite way. Uh, is Rudy Gobert. Uh, there has been, uh, specifically, there was one game this past week, uh, France, I believe it was against Germany. Dennis Schroeder went out there and, and and was just, you know, getting buckets all over France. And in addition, Rudy Gobert couldn't buy a bucket to save his life. And listen, man, I'm, I don't want to, again, I, like same things apply like to Eurobat, like Eurobasket at least is like intense competition, right? Like these are guys right. that, going at it these are international players like they're skilled right we all knew Rudy Gobert wasn't a great offensive player to begin with but guys I don't know if you saw the whiffs like I did where he like he was literally like five feet away he was posting up Dennis Schroeder and he couldn't even hit the rim yeah I saw that play dude Minnesota gave up more to go get Rudy Gobert than Cleveland did to go get Donovan Mitchell yeah so like Guys, I'm like, I don't want to like overreact here, but like we weren't in love with this trade to begin with. And then no. for him to like, you know, kind of kind of stink up the joint a little bit during Eurobasket. I just feel like this could get very authentically Timberwolves very quickly. I'm mm-hmm. not sure where your guys are at with that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the Timberwolves as a franchise, you know, they haven't done a great job in the past 20 years of getting players uh, to be on the court for a competitive win. But I feel like this trade makes you think that they're at least thinking about that. But the player that they got doesn't exactly do what they're wanting to do. So I feel like Rudy Gobert is going to be a guy where we're going to be talking about maybe around January about what Minnesota can possibly get at the deadline for him because I feel I don't like- I don't know man I just feel like with his like you you forget dude he's on a supermax contract right but that's what I'm getting at is there there has to be at least some second round pick something they can maybe who's not gonna, no who's to take, contract. take on 45 right, right. million dollars of a 30 plus year old center Troy yeah 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 I know I get what you're saying I get what you're saying 
I'm just saying they might have to do what Detroit did too of maybe like the Josh Smith thing of cutting him early. Yeah, but like the difference is though, it's like, okay, but like if you cut him now though, Troy, like the difference is between those contracts is like, this is like what I'm, what I'm saying here, Troy, in my opinion, because like you're talking about how like that would be how they would cut their losses. Right. In my opinion, the only way to salvage this, if this doesn't work, is you either, you either have to trade Carl Anthony Towns or you have to trade Anthony Edwards. Right. Let's be and honest, you really don't want to do either. You don't, yeah, don't want to do, do either. But realistically, though, Troy, if you're looking at how am I going to like fix this the quickest, like mm-hmm. you're not going to get anything back for Rudy Gobert. Yeah. You're going to you're going to lose out on years of picks, years of picks. And the mm-hmm. only way you're going to get like any of those back in some form is by trading one of those two guys. I'm not saying that's like what they should do. Because, you know, they still haven't even played together yet. Like, we'll see, like, what they do. But, like, guys, like, I'm telling you, this ain't going to be, like, if this doesn't work in a year or two, this is going to get ugly. you agree with me, Jeff? Yeah, I do. I hear everything you're saying. And this is also, you got to look at it like this from the from the Timberwolves' perspective. They're never going to get equal price for what they paid for Rudy Gobert. That's just the reality of it. And I also think that, you know, as Minnesota, they know what Rudy is offensively. I think they know what he is defensively. And that's really what got them, you know, the most attracted because it, it pushes Carl Anthony Towns at a perimeter. So it allows him to play a role he's much more uh, comfortable playing. So I get why they did it, but the price they paid yeah. is ridiculous. Yep. And it's going to come back to haunt him because you're going to realize you're never going to get what you got for him. And I don't think you'll get anything at all because it's like you brought up, Sean, even if he was serviceable offensively that contract you got to be at least good offensively because i'm not paying 30 ish million dollars for a center who's a liability on offense and at times in utah you had to bench him in the fourth quarter because if he was fouled you're screwed so that's the issue the timberwolves are going to run into they 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 have their back against the wall and this has to work out for them because listen you pay you know five first round picks in total for rudy gobert like you're never coming back from that. That's a decision you made, and I get it. A market like Minnesota, you feel like you have to overpay for players. You overpaid for the wrong player. Right, wrong I'll player. just say that. Can either of you guys tell me what about his performance in Utah this past season makes Minnesota even want to take on a contract like that? Well, I think it's because of the. I think it's. I think for them from Utah from from Minnesota's perspective, first of all, I think for them, I think they see the fact that. Carl Anthony Towns won't have to be pressured to be the anchor on the defensive end anymore. He, mm-hmm. He'll be able to play more on the perimeter, which is a preferred position for him. I think they're, I think what they're thinking is that Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert can play in the pick and roll together. Um, and I'm thinking that like, since this team wasn't great defensively this last year, mm-hmm. that like this to them is like the big next step. But like in actuality, we saw, and again, this, you know, that's, I think that's their vision. Now here's the reality. We saw in Utah what happens when you have a lineup that isn't all in on defense. Yeah. As great as Rudy Gobert is as a defender, if he has guys like, you know, let's just say it, Donovan Mitchell or other players on his team that aren't, you know, that aren't bailing him out in front and he has to go and overcommit, that's what screwed this team this last year. Right. So, like, I think what they're saying, I think what they're thinking is new situation, fresh start, new teammates. This won't happen here in Minnesota. You know, we have an insanely young, athletic, gifted guard in Anthony Edwards who has the intangibles to be a great defender. We have this really good team. You know, let's let's see what we can do. But again, I also think this was just, hey, we have new owners who want to win now. And Alex Rodriguez wants to make his, A-Rod wants to make his investment feel pretty damn exciting, right? I, we, how many times have we seen the new owner thing happen? 
where they just go make a move like this, right? But I, I think this like leans well into like the main story and something that we should probably get to. The Donovan Mitchell trade. Uh, if you guys don't know, uh, last week, 3.33 p.m., I believe it was on a Thursday, Adrian Wojnarowski decided, I'm going to just drop a bomb real quick and <laughs> announce to the world that Donovan Mitchell was indeed traded from the Utah Jazz to the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for the rights to Colin Sexton, who they extended on a eight on a four-year, $72 million contract. In addition, they sent Lori Markin in. They sent this year's lottery pick. They sent four um, unprotected future picks. And I believe they sent three total picks and two pick swaps. So that's just what they got from Cleveland alone. That's not even the entire, like, that's not the entirety of the package. But guys, this is big. This is this is the biggest. I mean, this obviously since the James Harden move, this is the biggest story to hit the NBA, right? And I don't know about you, but when I saw that the team that got Donovan Mitchell was Cleveland, it just made my jaw drop that much more because yeah. immediately it went, oh, Evan Mobley and Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> like, and Darius Garland. My yeah, God. man. And Jared Allen, too. Yeah, right, get Jared Allen. He gets to go play. <laughs> Kevin he gets, Love off he, the bench. Yeah, he goes from playing with probably the best defensive center to the second best defensive center. <laughs> like, so that's pretty cool. Good for good for Donnie. But, you know, man. Like, all right, let's let's break it down from a basketball standpoint. Let's just start with this. On paper, the Cleveland Cavaliers now have perhaps one of the best offensive backcourts in the league and one of the best defensive front courts in the league. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that type of combination, if they can if they can fire on all cylinders and win some basketball games, that's gonna be tough to knock out in May. Mm-hmm. It's going to give you some fight in June if you keep if you let them keep going. Right. And we're past April. <laughs> yeah. We're well past April. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, like I, I firmly believe like the expectation for B for, should be for this team to win a playoff series mm -hmm. at least. Yeah. Yeah. I would say at least. Yeah. And, and I think, too, um, guys, we forgot. We don't talk about enough how well Donovan Mitchell played in the bubble, too. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. He's a stud. Oh, yeah. And to pair them on already a growing team like Cleveland, yeah, they didn't get it done to get it into the play-in. Well, they got to the play-in, but they didn't get it done to get it to the playoffs. But I, I honestly think this is a top-five team in the East. I, I, I can't see them finishing any worse. So I think, like you mentioned, Sean, I think a, a front court um, with, with, with those two guys, and then I, I just feel like this team can make an upset too. Like I'm mm -hmm. not saying this team is better than a Boston or a Brooklyn but I'm saying they can give those teams a run for their money. Am I wrong oh, with yeah. that? No, you're not wrong with that at all. I, I, to be honest with you, if I'm a team like Brooklyn or Boston, if, if I'm any team in the Eastern conference right now that has aspirations to make it deep in the playoffs, the last team I want to play in the first round is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because if you have, if you're telling me even let's say for the bucks, right. Even though I'd still think they'd win that series in five or six, just because Giannis is Giannis. But like the reality is he's going to have to work. Because not only is he going to have to get past Jared Allen, you're going to have to get past Evan Mobley too, man. And that's not even counting Isaac Okora, who now, like, he's not really an offensive player. Now it's like, hey, you don't have to do literally anything on offense. Mm -hmm. Just just play really good defense. Yeah. Like, hit a corner three once in a while. We're not, like, you know, just go do your thing. We'll be fine. 
But like, guys, on the other hand, Donovan Mitchell, you're right, Troy. He was awesome in the bubble. But after that, the playoffs the last couple of years have been a little bit of a question mark. Right. And and I feel like, too, though, in a market like Cleveland or just a team that Cleveland has, I feel like we can see peak Donovan Mitchell. Not saying that Utah was holding him back, pure to say, but I feel like that just in general, pairing against Rudy Gobert, like it just it wasn't the best fit for him. But this in Cleveland, I think this can be prime or peak Donovan Mitchell. This is his prime. We're oh yeah, no. This year. is his best chance. This is his best chance to win a title, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, Cleveland's taking a risk here, Jeff, because Donovan Mitchell has two years left in his contract, and you and Danny Ainge is making a is 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 making a bet that Donovan Mitchell's not signing that dotted line to stay in Cleveland long term. What are your thoughts on that? It's interesting. And I want to bring up something we talked about before. Listen, I did say if I was Utah, I would not trade Donovan Mitchell. Seeing what they got for him, <laughs> I, can't, I can't hate Danny Ainge for trading him. All right? I kind of retract my statements because seeing what they got for Donovan Mitchell, I like it uh, for both sides. But for Cleveland, the first thing that stood out to me is, number one, really, was how bad defensively that backcourt is, which we'll find out later You know how you're going to be able to hide them and, and stuff like that. But number two – is how talented this team, and, and you talk about the youth on this team. Yes, they have Donovan Mitchell, a guy who's who's been in the playoffs for multi, multiple years, adding to a very, very young roster. But the benefit of having a wrong, young roster, you could say there's inexperience, but there's also fear. fear they're fearless, all of these guys. Like, they they really don't know what to expect. So you have Evan Mobley, who you think, we're, we all think, is going to be a fantastic player. You have Jared Allen, who is a fantastic player and a very good defender. And you have Darius Garland, who, in my opinion, was an all-star last year, will be an all-star, I think, for future. He's, he's an excellent player, playing alongside Donovan Mitchell. Like, I would hate to play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs because you really don't know what to expect from this team. There's so much youth, and they can give you trouble. But with Donovan Mitchell, to your point, what you brought up earlier, we'll see. And this is the risk teams have to take. Like, it's kind of what Oklahoma City did with Paul George. Going out and getting Paul George, it didn't end up going their way. But, hey, you tried. You, you tried to get a guy like Paul George. Your fans are happy. Russ was happy. Uh, but, you know, Cleveland, this is what they're going to have to deal with. If he, if he walks, hopefully by then you at least have a plan in place. Because if not, right. Utah's sitting over there like, hey, we got all your picks for the next couple of years. And if you guys decline at any so, any point, we're just going to sit here and we're going to keep swinging and we're going to find yep. another Donovan Mitchell. So I think it's a win-win for both sides, but I'm interested to see how Cleveland holds up this year. I really am. I will say when I saw the deal that the Knicks offered um, towards the free agency period and that that deal was on the table and Danny Ainge said no, listen, I still like the trade for them. I still think Utah could end up as a winner in the long term. But, bruh. Am I crazy for saying I take it? Are you telling me Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett. That's the big one. Obi Toppin. And three unprotected first round picks. I'm taking it. I'm taking every it. day and to. twice on Sunday yeah. because it's the, the the only, it's the Knicks. The only so the only I, I've been trying to think about like why they didn't take it, like what like the rationale would be. The only thing I could even come up with is that you don't want to like you don't want to take on like a whole ton of money or salary at the beginning of your rebuild. 
And like Mitchell Robinson yeah. did just get an extension. Colin Sexton did just get an extension. RJ Barrett did just get an extension. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, like when you look at that, like, you know, like a couple players in their system got an extension, but they also just in this deal, they even had to give an extension still. Right. But like, even then, if you don't want to keep those guys, you could in theory still flip Mitchell Robinson or, or Obi Toppin for some more picks. Could you not? Mm-hmm. Easily, easily. So I, yeah, I just had a loss. Maybe man. they felt like they were stuck with that core if they would have went to that. But yeah. like you said, there, you can easily move some of those pieces. Yeah, and maybe, it, and maybe they were wagering they could have gotten something better. But like, I don't know, man. And, and considering what they they're paying or going to pay, Colin Sexton makes sense. Like Colin Sexton, four for seventy. What was it? Seventy two. Mm-hmm. Like we we were saying a minimum of four for eighty when we were doing these free agency videos. So I think they got, I mean, honestly, when it's all said and done, we'll see. I mean, it's it, hindsight's 2020. So you got to wait. Right. Uh, but hi, we're looking at it right now for what they got. Danny Ainge, he's playing the long run. I think it'll work out for him. Worked out in Boston. So we'll see for what sure. happens. And I mean, in fairness, RJ Barrett just got four years, 120. So he's going to be getting paid a 30, 30 yeah. million a year. And we'll no. see if he, he lives up to that. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, listen, Danny Ainge, if, if you don't, if you're not in love with that player, then maybe you just don't take the deal. I mean, right. listen, Colin Sexton and Laurie Markinen are still like, I'm not saying those are like great gets or that they're going to be on the team even in a year, but like Troy, do you think that's at least something as far as like, obviously all the picks, that's really what you, what you're going in there for. But like Colin Sexton could bring value to Utah. Could he not? Right. No, absolutely. He can. And I think, um, you know, we kind of forgot about him this past year because of how successful Cleveland was and how much he had little to no impact on that team. But here's the thing with him is he's a, he's a young guy. I think he's only what, 22, 23 years old. We saw what he could do even his rookie and, and sophomore season. Um, he's a guy that can impact any team. I feel like, uh, maybe not contenders impact, but at least be a guy that comes in that plays excellent defense, both ends of the, uh, on the, of the floor, great defender, but also we know he can score. We know he can facilitate the ball as well. So I think he's a guy that can run your offense. I think he's a guy that you don't really, as a coach have to worry about running your offense. And I think mm-hmm. he's also a, a score first guard to say the least as well. Mm-hmm. So no, I think Colin Sexton on Utah in their rebuild, um, will be a great little fit. I do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and the thing that's going to be interesting to see with Utah going forward, because now they still have Mike Conley, who they can move at any time. They still have Jordan Clarkson, who they can move at any time. They still got Bogdan Bogdanovich, that they can move at any time. So they still have some pieces available and they can still go get some more assets to add to this rebuild. But I mean, Danny Ainge, man, I will say people were giving him a lot of flack on his, on his way out of Boston saying that things weren't looking too great there. Myself included. Quite frankly, and I look like a dumbass now because because Boston <laughs> looks pretty darn well set up for the long term. Yeah, largely because of Danny Ainge, and now, just in his first summer, cleared the cabinets, traded Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and they got a well of assets back. Like I I, I really think for Utah specifically, this is their best case scenario in the sense that okay. You got the restart that you wanted. You have a plethora of picks to work with from two teams that very well could screw this up. So, like, listen, man, I think Danny Ainge overall for the summer, I think he gets an A minus. Like, I think he did a good job. You guys agree with me? Yeah, no, I think he's done a great job. And I think rebuilding that team, I think, you know, we've talked so much about Detroit of how they've rebuilt. And I think starting at the way with picks, with, you know, assets, younger assets can move movable assets, but the picks is the big thing. And I think if that's the way that you're going through a rebuild, I think you're doing a good job. Yeah. 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 For sure. I, I would, I would agree with that. 
I, I would, you know, I would say I'll, I'm going to give a B, and, and we'll see what the picks become, and then I'll move it. I'll move it to an A. Yeah, that's fair. Again, when you hear that report of what they could have gotten, it's hard to not question at least a little bit. I will say Cleveland definitely got the got the best of that for sure. But oh yeah, guys, let's talk about the elephant in the room. We're going to have to play that Cleveland team a lot. And oh yeah, our division, like I, I know divisions aren't really like a super prominent topic in the basketball world all the time, but let's just look at our division alone now. Let's start with the top. You got you got Giannis and the Bucks. You're gonna have to face him four times a year. Then you got the Bulls. You got Zach Levine. You got DeMar DeRozan. You got Alex Caruso. Lonzo Ball, whenever the hell he'll be back. Caruso's the scariest. Uh-huh. Dude, that, that <laughs> man. That freaking bald head is gonna is coming. For I don't him, want man. no smoke. Dude, 100%. No smoke with that man. Oh my god. <laughs> but then. I mean, even, you know, the, the Cavaliers, like we just talked about, possibly four All-Stars on their roster. Yeah. And then the Pistons, they're not a pushover either. With all the young talent that they have, they're going to certainly be more talented than they were last year. And then even the worst team in the in the division, the Pacers, are not a pushover either. No. They got Benedict Mathern and Tyrese Halliburton. And yeah. and and as of right now, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. So, yep. guys, is this the best division in basketball? And if not, how long till it is? Because I feel like it's on the doorstep being the best division in the league. It's at least on the doorstep. But when you have a division of the Grizzlies and the Nuggets, or is it the Grizzlies and the Mavericks? Who's the second team in the Grizzlies division? <laughs> One of them's in there, and they're both good. One's got Joker, one's got Luca. Um, anyways, I feel like that, that's kind of hard to compete with, but I feel like we're at least one year away. I would actually say one full year away. It's uh, it's uh, it. So let me uh, let me let me read some of the you know the potential divisions. I, I will say, I think I'm still going to give it to to one division. I think I'm still going to give it to the Pacific because they have the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Suns, and the Kings. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then even like you said, Troy, I mean, even though right now, like this is a very top heavy division, the Southwest division is the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Rockets and the Spurs. Yeah. So two stinkers, three studs right there. So, I mean, when you're looking like all throughout the league, there's a lot of really good, there, there is a lot of really good division. I mean, even, you know, even the Atlantic division, the Celtics, the Nets, the Raptors, the Sixers, the Knicks. Yeah. That's right? a good team too. Yeah. Or a good division. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. So the, but the thing is, though, in a year or two's time, we could be look. We can be looking at the central division and saying that that's the deepest division in the league because of the for one, the young talent that's already there, but then the superstars that are in the division as well, and all of these franchises, it seems like, are gearing up to potentially all be somewhat good at the same time. Maybe the Bulls will fall apart in a couple of years, but like as of right now. Guys, this is going to be a really difficult schedule for the Pistons. Yeah, not just the Pistons, but I say the whole league, guys. I, we've said it almost every podcast. the 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 league's getting deeper. I mean, the Pistons, of course, we're we're towards the bottom as far as talent, you know. But even look at a team like the Raptors, who had success, 
you know, the past couple of years kind of, uh, well, last year, you know, definitely still being a playoff team. But even them, looking at look at who they would have to face. Like you mentioned some of those, um, you know, teams like the Sixers, obviously four times, the Nets four times, the, the, the Celtics four times, whatever, but also how stacked the East is. So I feel like even a team like the Raptors, who would, you would think absolutely they're always going to be contenders, they're going to be in the playoff mix, even they're going to have some trouble. So this isn't just a Pistons problem. This is a league problem. And Toronto's just an example, but I could go to so many other teams too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's an East problem. That's that's what I'll yeah. say. It's an East problem because uh, you you talk about the division, and I love I love how you phrased it. Doorstep. I, I would say probably a year or two. I think this division, like you said, Sean, is going to be the deepest if it's not already with the young talent. Because I think Jaden Ivey when in Cade when they hit their primes, and you have a Benedict Mather and Tyrese Halliburton, and, and who knows what who else they're going to have in the next couple of years. I think it'll be definitely the deepest because the Lakers are going to fall off very soon. Uh, the more LeBron eventually retires, who knows? Clippers, I don't think, will just fall off. But this this division has a lot of uh, upside. And I'll, you, can, you can look out and see the future of these teams. So what I'll say is it makes it, us, our job is to project, you know, project where this team's going to go this year. It makes it a little harder because you're playing these teams, what, 16 total games out of the year, just mm-hmm. your division, which mm-hmm. you're not, you're probably not favored against anybody but the Pacers. Like it, it does, it makes it more difficult, but it doesn't really change my expectations because I, we all know, we talk about it on this podcast all the time, we know where the Pistons are right now in, in the process. They're not at Cleveland's level yet. Cleveland made the postseason and then realized, you know what? We don't only just want to make the postseason. We want to make a run and try and make an NBA final. So they go out and get a Donovan Mitchell. We haven't even made the postseason yet, let alone the play-in. So right. it doesn't it doesn't concern me, but certainly if you're out in the East, you're looking up at the Cavaliers team going, here's another superstar in the East. Keep them coming. It's like the NFL and the AFC. More quarterbacks just keep coming to the AFC. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. And, and, I mean, we talked about before too, right, like, like what it's going to take for this team to take that next step and to and to get more wins and to and to be in that playing contention, but I mean Troy, like you said, there's like there's a world where a team like Toronto even can slip in the standings, possibly be in the playing territory. Yeah. Like there's always going to be some teams that that don't always perform up to expectations. And I think the reality is that, like there's almost a world with how deep this conference is that the Pistons could look significantly better and only get like three or four more wins than they got last year. Just because of where the league's at right now, like that's just the truth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and which then puts a little bit of pressure on Troy Weaver to land that superstar kind of guy, like we've been always, you know, talking about. Like Cleveland went out and got Donovan Mitchell because if they had not got Donovan Mitchell, I honestly think maybe an eighth or a seventh seed would be their destiny because of how stacked the East is. Maybe a little higher, but maybe not. Well, Troy, um, I even made this point to Jeff. I like the how deep the East is and how talented Cleveland is. I could see them ending up being the exact same seed that they could have been as <laughs> like just because of how deep like just because of how yeah. deep it is like even though they'll be significant significantly better it's like it's not like it's not like there's there's a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference right now that are getting worse like people like Atlanta forget. maybe <laughs> Atlanta Atlanta got better they got yeah, a lot better. better yeah but I still and Dejounte Murray no I see that I see that but I just have to see it in person. To see, see where they're going to land. Like, like, I'm talking like so six seed what, or four seed is what I'm trying to get at. So let me ask you this. What about, is there something about DeJounte Murray and Trey Young no. that you think won't work as smoothly no. as Darius Garland and, uh, and uh, Donovan Mitchell? No, I'm just saying 
I have to see it in person to make my exact commentary. I could see them being a sixth seed. I could see them being a fourth seed. That's all I'm saying. I just, when you said that they were like the one team that like could be worse, you know, the Hawks, I was like, why'd you jump that they could be Yeah, worse? I jumped it too quick, I'll admit. But what I'm getting at is they're no different than all these other teams that we're talking about that are great, that are awesome. But can they beat, right, a Boston? Can they right. beat, yeah, whatever. So, Well, no, but you're not wrong though, Troy. Like, Because to, to your point, Everyone thinks this trade like is automatically like lead to wins right away. But like, I mean, there's a world where Trey Young doesn't work well with right. an off ball guard like that. Like, yeah. so, like to your point, like, I think that's just like one of the pieces of it is like, I think with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, I think, you know, those are kind of like a little bit more pass first guys. I think you have a guy like DeJounte Murray, who's a very willing passer. And you have Trey Young, who's very, who's gotten very used to playing a very heliocentric offense. And so he's going to have to learn to play without the ball in his hands if he's if, yeah. if this is going to have to succeed. Yeah. So no, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's an invalid point, Troy. I was just surprised I was the first team in the East. I was like I was like oh damn. I mean I I know I know one team I think that will be pretty bad. I think the Knicks will suck, especially after letting this Donovan <laughs> trade slip out. Yeah. Of their thing. Can we talk about that real quick? The Knicks. Okay. So apparently they came back with like their. Like their final best offer was like RJ Barrett and like a couple unprotected picks, which like if that's like what the deal ended up being, I don't blame Utah going like, nope. But like, do you think this is something that we'll look back on in hindsight and we'll think is a missed opportunity? Do you think this wouldn't have changed? To be honest with you, I don't know if this would have changed their situation much at all as far as like, you know, being prominent or like rising in the standings, but like at the very least, man, it's symbolic of the fact that there is a true problem with the Knicks. And it's that they, they've they're, they're for years. Their plan has been, we'll get a star to come to the Knicks, but guys, what stars are going to the Knicks? It's, it's arrogance, man. It really is. It's arrogance. And you saw it when Kyrie and Katie were both, you know, looking for a team to go to and the Knicks were like, they're coming to New York. They're coming to the Knicks, guys. We're all good. We're all set. Mm-hmm. Clear the table. We'll let them come. Psych, they go to Brooklyn. And, and, and that, I think, was not only a reality, and I thought it would teach them something, but they just let this Donovan Mitchell thing slip out of their hands, so apparently it didn't. But at the time, it taught them that just because of your brand or just because of where you're located – doesn't give you this sense of entitlement. It's kind of like what the Lakers have been going through. And then there's the Clippers who are secretly building a very, very good basketball team that they're like, hey, we're the Clippers. You guys can have the brand. We're going to stick to just building this thing the right way. And I think the the Nets, I don't know if they're building it the right way, but they got Kyrie and KD. So they ultimately worked out. They traded for James Harden. So I don't know. I would say it's arrogance. I mean, Leon Rose, I was never a fan of him even when he first got hired. And I just think the Knicks are in a situation right now. I don't like their head coach. I don't like their general manager. They're, it's a disaster. If you're a Knicks fan, I don't see. I, I don't know how you're not frustrated right mm-hmm. now because the ceiling of this team. You, you spent what over a hundred million dollars on Jalen Brunson. That was your big splash of the offseason. Like I, I, my heart goes out to Knicks fans. They, it really does. Well, well, guys, how much? Like it, it just from the sounds of it, of how much preparation that went into getting Jalen Brunson. It seemed like <laughs> they know. had to go through hell and high water just to make this happen. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. And so, 
Yeah, Troy, what do you think, man? What's going yeah. on in New York? Well, I think uh, Kyrie and KD were great examples that Jeff brought up because it did show that, um, you know, they went to the other New York team, right? I mean, isn't that just bananas oh. to think about? I mean, I remember Stephen A. Smith going berserk of, <laughs> like, you know, you know, my Knicks, my Knicks, Blue. He doesn't help either. I, 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 yeah, I just will forever hear him saying, they went to the other New York team. <laughs> but, but that's such a good – that's such a good uh, illustration and picture of exactly what's going on. And I feel like, okay, you got your guy in Brunson. Yeah, clap your hands. But remember how much we debated uh, about Brunson going to the Pistons of should we overpay him, yada, yada. Yeah. And we always said, well, if we don't overpay him, we know New York will. And guess what happened? <laughs> they did. New York did. Well, so yeah, we I think that, Even then when we were talking Jalen Brunson, and even when I was arguing that, that Detroit should go out and pursue him, York. remember – there was a certain price tag I was not willing to go. Yeah, over. that is yeah. true. I will defend you. And you, and, you were not and, willing to pay him what they paid him. Yeah, and the Knicks took a <laughs> fiesta on that line and went all the way over it. Yeah. And and they dug deep into their pockets and now have given the richest contract to a player that's never reached an All Star game. Right, right. Yeah. So, it's but I think going back to the Knicks, I mean, they're. I think Brunson, I mean, we saw this in Dallas, like he's a good piece to to have in your core for if you're, you know, trying to be a contender or whatever, but he's not your main piece. Like no franchise should build around Brunson, but I feel like, okay, maybe, okay, they're building around Barrett maybe, but I mean, they're not that much different players, you know, they're, they're lefties who can score the ball, you know, they're somewhat athletic, whatever. But um, I just feel like, they want that star, and they're doing nothing to go get him because they're not they going to get the draft. They have three lefties too. They have Julius Randle as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about yeah. that. I didn't even. I just realized that they have three lefties in their starting lineup. But even Randle's a guy you can't fully surround your franchise. No, <laughs> no. They're building around three players. You okay? RJ. I don't want to rule him out because yeah. I actually kind of do like RJ. But you're building around two players minus RJ. That you don't want to build on. They're but we saw how much. Troy, I mean, guys, let's problems. just talk about it. Two of Random. those three guys, I can telegraph what they're doing. Yeah, he's going left. Yeah, like it's yeah. not. It's not much of like a, a mystery. Like he's going left. Like like Julius Randle literally can't dribble with his right hand. Yeah, <laughs> but we saw even all the driver. problems. We saw all the problems that Randall even had on the court this past year. I mean, they were trying to move him at the deadline, but guess what happened? You can't move him. So, you know, they, even the I Kings sure didn't take that deal. Summer, but this episode of From Half Court is brought to you by Manscaped. When we talk about post players, there is few better players in the restricted area than our friends over at Manscaped. With great products such as the Lawnmower 4.0 with skin safe technology the weed whacker, their deodorants, lotions, and more. Manscaped is unrivaled when it comes to the men's hygiene game. Serving over 8 million balls worldwide. That's a lot of testicles, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're finding yourself in need of Manscaped products, be sure to go to manscaped.com and use code HALFCORE at checkout because that can get you 20% off plus free shipping. Our friends at Manscaped sent us these products, and I can tell you that they are absolutely for real. I have been absolutely satisfied and in love with their entire product line, from boxers, T-shirts, the lawnmower 4.0, to the, to the weed whacker, ear and nose trimmer. You can really not go wrong. Be sure to go to manscaped.com and use code HALFCORD at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you again to our friends at Manscaped for sponsoring this video. Hey, can I... Can I can I make a, a drastic right turn and bring something up right now? 
Absolutely. Because I want to get your guys' opinion on this, and it's something that hasn't been talked about enough, in my opinion, as Pistons fans. So we saw what Cleveland did going out, getting Donovan Mitchell, trading away, you know, a former eighth overall pick in Colin Sexton, a player that Cleveland fans did like. They had to pay him. They didn't want to pay him. But a guy who got you 20 points per game. Uh, we know we talk about Colin Sexton. We like who he is. They didn't see him in their future. And they traded him for, they as they believe, an all-star, a superstar, however you want to define it. Do you think Pistons fans aren't thinking about that enough to where you're going to maybe have to fork up a, a, a Sadiq Bay and a first round picks uh, for somebody? Cause I, I love it. We want to see what we have in this young core, but do you think it's not being talked about the possibility of a guy like Sadiq Bay? Cause I'm, I'm just using Sadiq. It could be anybody oh, or Isaiah Stewart yeah, being the, the, the center of a trade package to go and get somebody. Oh, hell yes. And dude. I think the problem is we, we love those guys too much that we don't want to even think about trading them. But he, the point is if we yeah. trade them, we could land the player we need to win now. So we did, I actually did a stream this past Sunday and I asked the question, would you trade Sadiq Bay if it meant getting Jalen Brown? And the chat was very split. It ended up being about, it ended up being about 60, 40, no. And mm. the thing is uh, though, I'm not going to lie. That's like, there's a lot of guys where I go, no, no, I'm not trading Sadiq Bay for you. Jalen Brown, I I have a hard time passing on that man. But on the other, like, because here's the thing with it, you you do get emotionally attached. You do, but I think the reason with with Sadiq in particular, why fans are are hesitant to is because he has such an uncharacteristically high work ethic, right? Boom. The way he attacks the game, the way he attacks the gym. He's literally the one player on the team that it seems like you can't give a genuine, like, you know, like there's a lot of guys in the team. Like it's hard to give criticisms for Cade's game, right? There's one pretty striking one we can make. Hey, stop fouling so much, right? That's pretty, that's one pretty big one. But like with like Sadiq, you know, it's not from a lack of effort, anything that he does on the court, because he is just obscenely a hard worker. It's insane. But again, Jeff, you said it, man. The piece of it all is that when the Pistons ultimately push their chips in the middle of the table, you're going to have to give something up in return. Whether it's a Sadiq, whether it's a Marvin Bagley, whether it's, you know, whether, you know, there's a lot of different guys in this roster. I, to me, there's only two players right now that I see as truly untouchable. Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham, and that's about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Jaden Ivey really just has that because he hasn't even played a game yet. Right. You know, yeah, Cade earned it. Cade <laughs> got it with being the number one pick. Cade went went out last year and showed everything you needed to see from him. Ivy's going to have to go out and do the same thing. But outside of those two names, and like even then, like Sadiq's like teetering in there, man. He really is. But like like you said, Jeff, it's not being talked about enough because it's, it's not a far off reality. Yeah. If we're thinking like we're about a year behind what Cleveland's doing, that puts us at making this type of trade either next off season or next deadline mm-hmm. or the off season after that, man, to me, there's about a year window starting this off season where you can expect the Pistons to start making some moves. And we're almost done with this off season. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Up. So yeah. this, yeah, man. So this year, like, like this upcoming season, 
there's definitely going to be some things that happen, but like that off, like, like after this year on, you know, heck, who knows? Maybe even the deadline. You never know when the opportunity is going to present itself because the way this league goes, how many players become unhappy and eventually want out of their situation? Often. So many. And, and that decision, we talk about that decision. The decision was made with Cleveland. It made it a lot easier when Colin had to get paid. So, and we're not at that point yet. We have Sadiq on a rookie contract. We like what Sadiq brings. But those are the decisions. Or Troy's going to have to make it. We love that Troy's in the position to make those decisions because I mm-hmm. trust him. But you're going to have to really think. And, and the New York Knicks didn't even think because, um, listen, another shot at the Knicks fans. This is what they think. They pay R.J. Barrett, no question about it. You're going to have to think to yourself, is Sadiq Bay worth a max contract? And we're not saying he isn't, but will he prove to the organization that he's worth that? Or does a normal organization feel like, listen, I like Sadiq Bay. Here's, you know, give us a couple first round picks. Here's whoever. I mean, I can't think of somebody off the top of my head. You got to wait and see. Right. Uh, but that's a real decision. And, I'm, and I just wanted to bring it up because I feel like people, they talk about the end, but they don't talk about how we get there. They, they don't talk about the journey, what Cleveland had to do and what had they had to give up to get Donovan. It's just like, oh, they have Donovan. Well, no, they gave up a, a pick. They got a guy they picked three years ago, four years ago in the draft, eighth overall. So I, I'm glad you you clarified it. And I think a lot of Pistons would agree with us, but I can see us being split when the decision's made. I, I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Troy, is there anything like gutturally, like when you say like trading a guy like Sadiq Bay? I, I don't know where you stand on it. I mean, I know for me, like I said, there's a pretty short list of names that I'm okay with trading Sadiq Bay for. Yeah, and I think Jalen Brown was a great example of one. Um, but again, yeah, my list is probably going to have to be short too. And also, you know, okay, you can definitely judge a player by two years, but I feel like a year three Sadiq may be better than what all three of us here on this podcast is expecting. Absolutely. What I mean is I could underst- I could see a breakout Sadiq year. Oh, absolutely. I could see a borderline all-star level Sadiq year. But I also could see, you know, a Sadiq that struggles from three a little bit has to get back into the rhythm. Not that that's a bad version of him, but I'm just saying I would still be I would be more comfortable waiting until the deadline if I'm going to trade him. But again, I don't even think Troy Weaver is thinking we trade him. I don't no, think not Troy this Weaver season, I don't think. Is, is looking at that like we are, you know, theoretically as yeah. a fan looking at it. But I feel like to me, I, I still want to see year three Sadiq before I'm even thinking about trading him yeah no I, i'm in firm agreement with you there and again it's not even like a we're looking to shop sadiq this isn't saying like we're we're saying that any players need to be traded this is just the reality of how this all goes now uh one thing i do want to touch on real quick just as like an expansion of that like jeff you and i kind of talked a little bit in the video that we made last week talking about the donovan mitchell trade we kind of touched a little bit on what's going to take for the pistons in order for them to be in the position to go make this exact same thing and Troy, you alluded to earlier, this team, even though they didn't make the play-in, or like they didn't make the playoffs last year after making the play-in, falling short during the play-in, at one point was a top three seed in the East, was performing wildly um, above expectations, and they had a run that showed confidence and said, this team's ready to take the next step. Give it the rocket fuel, it can take off. And so for the Pistons, like, I'm not saying they have to have that type of season where it's like that good. But what I am saying is, is that you're going to have to see some form of progress here. What do you guys thought? I, I absolutely agree. 
and I think, and I've said this on the show too with Adam. And I, my my whole theory, and I'll, I'll let you go, Troy, because I've kind of spoke on this already. The Pistons have to figure out this season what they have, and I'm not talking about Cade. I'm not talking about you know you know what you have in Cade clearly. But there's a lot of guys that have to prove themselves this year. We brought up, you know, we've done videos on Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay now, and we talk a lot about him now. But this year is a big year for him because if you finish this season, I don't think anybody will get traded this season. I think this season is a more let them go out, let them play. You could you could see what Troy's done in the offseason to dictate what he thinks the season is going to look like. They're not going to be very good, but at least you'll be able to figure out who is who's staying around for a while and who's not. And that's a very simple decision you can make. You see Killian, he doesn't improve. I'm sorry, I love Killian. But the reality is, Troy's going to have to make a business decision on that. Sadiq Bey, is he a future part? Is he, is he a number three on this team? What does he look like in a couple of years? Like, this season is for them to evaluate these players. And I think off the next offseason, when they have the cap space, they know have a better idea what these players look like. Because now you've seen at least three years of your first draft class with Sadiq, Isaiah, and Killian. That'll make this whole process a lot easier. And then you could decide, okay, we got to go out and get somebody, or we might have something here, and we might not need to go get nobody. It's going to take this season to at least figure it out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jeff. And, um, yeah, you mentioned two guys, uh, Marvin Bagley and Killian Hayes especially. I think those are guys that you want to see develop this year, mm-hmm. but you also want to see how they can fit in with your core. Uh, Sean, you mentioned a Jaden Ivy, Cade Cunningham as your two untouchable players. And I think can those two guys pair with those guys long-term is your question. And if not, I mean, you mentioned business deal, Jeff. I feel like a trade package, I mean, those are tradable guys, right? Like oh, those, yeah. those are, they're not heavy contracted and they're certainly not D-League players, right? Or G-League players. So what I'm saying with that is you can put a package with those guys and get something nice in return if they don't fit your long-term schedule because the 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 100% fact is there's going to be one or two guys on the current roster right now who are not going to fit this season. It, it's inevitable. There's there's nothing you can do about it. So figuring out who those players are and being willing to do a, a, a small package. I mean, you said no trades this year, and I, and I can agree with that. But I feel like small trades. We always do small trades. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that we can expect. I don't that's think. Happen. I don't think it's going to be similar though. Like I don't see us taking on many more reclamation projects at this point. I feel like, yeah. feel like especially after like the Kevin Knox signing, I mean, may, Hey, you never know. Maybe Troy Weaver, that's just something that he's always actively looking to have at least yeah. at some point in his roster or some form of reclamation project going on. But like we still have Marvin Bagley. Now we have Kevin Knox, you know, in my opinion, even Killian's turning into a little bit of a, rec- a reclamation project of, of, of uh, reclamating some of that value from that pick. I just think, you know, for, for this team, you know, to your point, Troy, and, and to your guys' point both, I, I think it's just going to be a, you know, very much like this team just still talks about how they're not, you know, judging everything off of wins and losses. And I think to your point, like, even if they have a bad record this year and that we still at least see signs that this team is building something, that there's a core here, that there's something to look forward to, then I think that's a great thing. But again, you know, like this is a business. And the reality of it is, again, if you want to get better in this league, you're going to have to give up something you like. You're going to have to accept it. You know, like, 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 again, Cleveland got Donovan Mitchell and that's great. But we just talked about how steep of a price they had to pay. Right. I mean, Paul George to the Clippers that you talked about the Clippers a minute ago, that better work. They better be building a damn good thing. Cause of how many picks they gave up for that to be the case, right? Like when the Pistons are going to ultimately 
go get their guy to pair against Cade or to pair against Ivy. Like a lot of these picks that we've been using to go get value in the first round, we're going to have to give up some to go and get a guy. So that's the reality of it. We've seen Troy Weaver like wheel and deal through the draft, but now I think now like we're going to have to see more of, of his trade acumen and some of those things, in my opinion, I think he's still done really well at those things throughout his tenure, but I just think we're going to see different type of work going forward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, the dynamics of the job definitely change a little bit. Uh, one last thing I wanted to bring up before we get to uh, from Mount Rushmore. Patrick Beverly uh, was introduced today as a Los Angeles Laker. And, oh, my, I saw this. Uh-huh. And there's a couple things I want to point out from here. First of all, uh, a reporter said, you'll be playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And he was about to ask him like what that's going to be like, what that opportunity is like. And Pat Bev stopped him right there and said, they're going to be playing with me. I made the playoffs last year. They did it. It's a difference. The other thing is that Pat Bev has been acting all buddy-buddy with Russ today. He talked about how he's always wanted to play with Russ. There was a oh. point where Russ threw him a towel and he was like, hey, that's my first dime of the season. And then uh, there was even a picture of of Russ and Pat Bev on the court together. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but it seems to me like Lakers PR is working overtime right now to make people forget these guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I I don't know, man. I mean, hey, maybe this is like the weirdest backcourt power couple we'll ever see. And this brings out a different aspect of Russ's game. But, I mean, the way Pat Bev's going to be about, like, wanting to see these guys be better, and if he's going to be as honest as he was in that in that Minnesota locker room last year, Russ is not going to like some of the things he's going to hear. Yeah. I love so, it. I, I, I love Patrick Beverly. I really I do. do. I, I love that. It, it, we need more stars in the NBA like Patrick Beverly. Like, that, I don't give a damn attitude. Like, you're, you, what you see is what you're getting. And I love the comment he made to the reporter, although if I was – LeBron or AD, I'd be like, well, we did win a championship. So you got one of those or what's going on with that? Because we just won one a couple of years ago. But to Pat, to Pat Beverly's uh, credit, he is right. He did make the postseason and he knows he's self-aware. He knows he's a big reason why, too. Uh, we've all talked about that here on the podcast. And I think he's going to do really good things in L.A. I, I think they need something or someone rather like Patrick Beverly in that locker room. You really do. To go yeah. in there and call guys out, point fingers. Because LeBron, let's be honest, I love LeBron is one of my favorite players. I have the most respect. He's he's he my age. Michael, bingo, Sean. <laughs> he ain't a leader. Bingo. Like sometimes you, you still gotta dance sentence. around him, man. Guy's a great yes. basketball player. Can't, can't lead worth shit. He can't lead. You need Beverly in there. AD can't lead either. I'm glad. This is why I love you, man. Because you finished my sentences. You knew where I was going with that. But that's the problem with LeBron. Like MJ was that. MJ was LeBron's talent with Beverly's mindset. Like essentially, so it's good for the Lakers, but we'll see. We'll see if Ross and him butt heads because when they lose, if they start losing games, someone's getting a middle finger and somebody's saying something back to uh, Pat Bev because there's a lot of egos in that locker room. A lot. Oh, 100%. A lot of egos, man. Yeah, for sure. Troy, as the biggest Pat Bev fan in this, in this, uh, in this call. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely a Pat Bev fan. Yeah, I do like Pat Bev. He's got the dog in him. He's definitely got that dog in him. I like Pat Bev. No, I I think it's going to be an interesting fit because I think, yeah, like you guys said, I'm not sure if Russ is going to enjoy the type of teammate that Pat Bev is because 
not only that, but Pat Bev, he's not just a guy who calls you out or, you know, pushes you to the limit, but he's a guy that is a competitor too, right? He wants to win games. Um, and I, and I think that'll be something a little bit different in, in LA because they've kind of been coasting and they, they haven't been playing competitive basketball since their bubble run. So um, I just feel like he's going to push those guys. I think he's going to be an interesting fit. Uh, I'm curious to see how he's going to play with LeBron. I think that's going to be even more fun. We're not talking about that enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah. You, think, think... you think he'll call out LeBron on defense? I can't wait. Oh, absolutely. He will. Get your ass. Listen, man, I don't, I, I, if there is anyone that I am not worried about going out there and chewing people out and not <laughs> taking crap from anybody, it's Pat Flip and Bev, dude. From Shy Town. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and listen, dude, I, I feel like this is like, to me, this is very reminiscent of when he came into Minnesota in the, in the culture shock sense. And I think the Lakers were looking for that. I think they're in dire need of someone that plays with that type of spirit and that type of energy and that type of mentality. And quite frankly, I think he's everything that Russell Westbrook wasn't last year. And I think that's why he's a perfect fit for them. And I think that's what Pat Bev's is, is at this career is everything that Russell, Russell Westbrook isn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, even though he didn't have as great of a peak as Russ, he's the type of guy that can come in, play, play for your team is, is focused primarily on winning basketball games. So there's a lot of guys who are like, I'm just focused on my craft. Patrick Bezik. No, I'm, I'm, I'm focused I- on winning. And I think that's the difference between guys like CP3 or Russell Westbrook because CP3, I, I know he's had issues with teammates, but the guy is a leader. And you saw it, the impact when he got traded OKC a couple years ago, and immediately they, they made the playoffs. Yeah. Like those type of guys, Russell, I, I respect his talent. But like you said, Sean, you nailed it. The leadership thing is just – it's not there. The talent is, is still there a little bit, but it's still the, the leadership. No matter how old CP3 is, he's always going to have that leadership. So Pat Bev, maybe he doesn't have CP3's talent. He still has that mindset, and I love it, man. He's got that dog. That's why yeah. him and CP3 can't get along. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're the same uh, now, person. Now, one more thing before we get to uh, from Mount Rushmore. I want you guys to guess Russell Westbrook's 2K rating this year. Oh, 76. I'm going to go 73. I'm going to go lower. It's 78. Whoa. Russell Westbrook oh, is a 78 God. overall in 2K this year. I really did him dirty. I went 73, dude. Jay Nivey is a 76. Paulo Bonchero is a 79. Killian Hayes is a 71. They always start so, rookies out really low. No, I know. I'm not. I'm just saying Paulo is rated higher than Russell Westbrook. Man. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But also, I kind of see it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, how man. Tides, That's how, how it's changed. Yeah, man. How how the turntables, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Well, yeah, Troy. I mean that makes sense. Yeah, 100%, man. Troy, you know what time it is, my friend. It's time to take it home and there's only one way that we do that here, and that's by taking a trip to Mount Rushmore with my boy Troy. Now, sometimes he takes us on a journey on the Mount Rushmore and we break down and go over the greatest things of all times. Sometimes we're on a series and we have some different stuff going on. That's what I love about you, Troy. You're unpredictable. And that's what yes, I like about thank you. you man. But Troy, <laughs> what are we talking about today? Yeah, we're definitely going to continue the series of Mount Rushmore's of greatest positions of all time. And today we're at the four spot, the power forward. So part four of five. And I'll just start. The guy who we talk about whenever you introduce my name, Dirk Nowinski. He's got to be on my list. Oh, um, yeah. Seventh seventh all-time in scoring, one-time champion. 
I don't know, Austin. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm going to guess. You have to fact check. I can me pull here. it up. I, I can pull it up. I'm, I got you. I'm going to guess 12, 12 time Austin. Am I wrong with that? You can pull it up. Hold on. Keep talking you, about Dirk while I have that pulled hey, up. He's 14. 14, 14 time okay, All Star. So I was close. But you I were close. It was 12 time All NBA. Okay, 12 time All NBA. Gotcha. No, but the one Dang. foot in the air uh, shot, I remember the 2011 uh, NBA Finals. You remember that little show, Sports Science, that would come on sometimes? Oh, yeah. Oh, they did yeah. A, I, lo- I, miss, I miss Sports Science. But they did um, a segment on his uh, one-footer turnaround jump shot. And when he puts the ball in his air from where the ball was to where his toes was, was nine feet. Nine feet. That's officially an unblockable shot. I mean, it really is. Um, so I feel like he's a guy that he had a patent, you know, shot with, with, with the turnaround one-footer. He's a guy, you know, comes into the league. Uh, a lottery pick, but, you know, a lot of teams weren't, you know, gambling on, you know, young European guys like him, able to turn around that Dallas Maverick franchise, really become the face of the franchise forever. Uh, they're making a statue outside of the arena. Uh, Sean will have to tell you what the what the statue looks like. Um, oh, God, not that statue. <laughs> no, not that one, dude. Jeff, have you ever seen the Dirk statue they're putting up? No, I got to. Dude, you never saw the to. anal bead statue? <laughs> oh, Bruh. my gosh, dude. Hold on. Let me pull this up. Bruh. It is so bad. Oh, my Anyways, Lord. He's one of my favorite players of all time. He's a guy that he, he's the four. He's the king of four in, in my lifetime, besides another guy who will be on the list, um, probably the best power forward of all time. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> Brother, like, <laughs> listen. I get wanting to show the arc of the shot, but like that, go, that goes in your booty. <laughs> that that goes in your booty. There's no doubt that that is not that Sean. That is not a, that is not a statue. That's I, a dude, sex toy. That is. A, I know, right? <laughs> that is a sex toy. What the? That's no what way. I'm saying, this, man. Everything I was just about to say about Carl Malone just went out the window. Oh, no, because we know what Carl Malone is. Anyways, go ahead, Jeff. Hey, that's oh, totally no. Okay. Hey, no. Hey, it's okay. You know what? I'll, 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 give us some, I'll give us some time to breathe in between that so we don't bring up Carl Malone after the end. But we have thing. to bring up Carl Malone. No, we that will, was a bad transition. We will, but that Carl a... Malone. So we'll get there in a minute. I want to start with Tim Duncan instead. Because I think Tim Duncan. The, guy, the second greatest four of our generation. Yeah, or the first greatest yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I, I Dirk's was the say, second. Dirk's the second. Yeah, Dirk. As, <sighs> Dirk on. might be the most talented, but Tim's the best. Yeah. I mean, listen, Tim might be the best four of all time. Him, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 should call him him Duncan. That that's just that's just who <laughs> he is. That that that's just what that's just what he is. And this guy was a stone cold winner literally ever since he came into the league. They, uh, the 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 San Antonio Spurs were just the picture of consistency. And, uh, you know, Tim Duncan very much represented that he never had a game that would blow you away, but at the same time could get you a consistent 20 plus points a game off of, off of little, you know, floaters or hook shots right next to the basket. The guy was just a, like, you know, like just a fundamental paint scorer. And he was just, you know, they called him the big fundamental for a reason, man. Yeah. yeah. Just fundamentally sound in every single way. So 
yeah. the Tim winning Duncan. is the biggest thing that I think you can say about Tim Duncan is his impact on winning from from like he said day one in the league. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean the Spurs were, you know, he, you know he's a five time NBA champion. They made the finals what seven times in his career. He only lost mm-hmm. two finals, and uh, they were they were both to LeBron James, I believe. So like, if that's someone you're gonna like lose a finals to. That's not a bad person to to lose to, I'm going to yeah. say. So, and even then, like they they were they were still consistently making it to the Western Conference Finals during the Kobe era, during the Shaq and Kobe era. Like that's the thing is like this was a team that like when the Lakers weren't dominating the West, the Spurs were dominating the West. And that's how it went. For like almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Tim Duncan definitely deserves to be on this list. And I'm just gonna just gloss over Carl Malone. I'm gonna go to KG. Yeah, I, I think Malone. I think KG deserves to be in this conversation because Carl Malone that transition with the anal beads. I still can't get past that. So Kevin Garnett, one of my favorite players personally. I, I get yeah. listen, I'm not a big Celtics fan. I really am not. If you're a Pistons fan, you hate the Celtics. This is what I'm instilled in me. Uh, but with KG though, the best trash talker of all time. You talk about consistency. And I want to talk about impact because we talk about the impact on winning. And here's a fun fact that I, I just read and I nearly was speechless reading it. Minnesota made the playoffs in eight of Garnett's 14 seasons and only once in the 18 years without him. Yeah, That's impact. the impact that Kevin Garnett had. I, I know he won a championship with the Boston Celtics, another great dynasty at the time too. Uh, Danny Age was, you know, ended up trading those guys away, which we got, we talked about earlier. Uh-huh. But with Kevin Durant, uh, Durant, Garnett deserves to be in this conversation. I mean, he's watching him and watching. I'll never forget one of the, my favorite KG videos is is Kevin Garnett. Uh, not even on the bench. He's in he's in the crowd talking trash to, to I forgot who the player was, but he's calling someone soft. And, and seeing that clip on, like, I love those KG clips. It really spoke to yeah. who he was as a player, the mentality he played with. Um, it was us against them mentality. And that's, you know, as Detroit Pistons fans, that kind of resonates with me because that's kind of what how we've won championships, that type of mentality. So KG, best trash talker of all time. But oh. you know, Gary Payton and him, pretty close. <laughs> he would have made a good Piston, wouldn't he have? Oh, dude, he would have. Oh, without a doubt. Kevin Garnett was, that's the thing, man. He's just, you know, just very similar to Tim Duncan in the sense that he was just a winner. But the thing with Ke- like the thing about Kevin Garnett is that he did it in such a different way because I think I think Tim Duncan did it with poise and fundamentals. And then Kevin Garnett Gar- Garnett did it with toughness, ferocity and yeah. and just a different attitude that he brought to the game. I think he was just one of those guys where we're going to look back on him as like one of those all-time competitors. I mean, I'll never forget when he won the championship in Boston, yelled yeah. at the top of his lungs, "Anything's possible!" Yeah. Like was- that's just he, he was one of the OG unicorns, yeah. I think, because yes. of what he was at 6'11". Uh, what he could do offensively, defensively, like unguardable, you know, post fadeaway. He had a lot of stuff in his bag at that time, and he's one of my favorite players, man, to watch. So I, People I do forget he could stretch the floor even. Like yeah, there were times where Kevin Garnett could, could go beyond the arc. Like imagine we talk about guys who could thrive in the modern NBA. Yeah, Can you imagine if Kevin Garnett was given the green light? Yeah, sure. yeah. If you're a Kevin Garnett fan, uh, this podcast endorses Uncut Gems. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, another thing. He's just <laughs> badass. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we glossed over him. Carl Malone, the mailman, everything he did with the Jazz, the John Stockton run, everything that went on there. Yep. Carl Malone's objectively one of the best fours of all time. We he's already not, in that. He's he's already a pedophile. Yeah. yeah, he's just that. He's just a pedophile. Yeah. You know, he, that. 
one minor oh. drawback. <laughs> no, it's pretty. Yeah, it's it's pretty major. But that's, no. a, that's a big drawback. One hundred percent. No, but that we said that not <laughs> not trying to not trying to crap on on Carl uh, Malone's career. But I do got to add just just a little nugget. Talk. We go back to consistency with Carl Malone. He averaged at least what is it, twenty points, fifteen out of the seventeen seasons, whatever it was for a majority of his career, at least twenty points. Like that's. If you would have just if if Carl Malone had two, three, even four rings, like just think of his legacy from that point on because he's already yeah. the second leading scorer of all time. Like his accomplishments statistically, and then you look at he just wasn't able to get it done. But imagine if he did, his legacy would be even more. He'd be, I think, undoubtedly the best power forward. But uh, it's it's nice to have conversations about Carl Malone because I, I love when John Stockton versus Isaiah Thomas conversation gets brought up. It's one of my favorite ones, and the and the always the answer to that that conversation is. Well, John Stockton got to play with Carl Malone. He's the easiest. Yeah. I mean, the guy got 10 assists for free a game. Yeah, really. So, oh, uh, yeah. respect yeah. to Carl Malone. And I do think. No, there... no respect to Carl Malone. Yeah, yeah. Besides what he was doing off the court. <laughs> Besides what he was doing no off the court. No respect to pedophiles. Um, no respect there. No respect two there. honorable mentions I Stay do want from my to kids. definitely bring up, uh, and that is David Robinson. Uh, we love David Robinson, oh, the yeah. Admiral. Oh, yeah. Love the Admiral. Admiral. I'm a big Admiral guy. Uh, and also, I think Chuck kind of deserves to be at least an honorable mention. Charles Barkley, athleticism, he, he put up stats. Uh, I, when I think of a four, I mean, he's a guy that comes to mind. I mean, um, here's a few guys. Dennis Rodman. Yeah. yeah keep, keep him coming. Sean Kemp. Oh, yeah. Um, we got Chris Bosh. Mm-hmm. We got Kevin McHale. Mm-hmm. Bob Pettit, Chris Weber, Rasheed Wallace, Blake Griffin. Kevin Love, Jermaine O'Neal, Elton Brand, LaMarcus Aldridge, oh my God. Paul Gasol. Like, dude. A lot of honorable a, mentions. Yes. I have a list in front of me. I'm not claiming to know. I'm not claiming <laughs> that I'm just listing all these off the top of my head. But, dude, when you look at the four, I mean, dude, we're not. And that's before you even get to, like, farther down the list. You get to guys like Zach Randolph, who is, like, such an under, underrated Anthony Hooper. Davis. Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. Yeah. Yeah, Anthony Davis is definitely going to be up there in, like, one of those greatest fours of all time for sure. But, dude, that's. That's the thing. When I when we look at how this position has evolved over time. Yeah, incredible. The most it, evolved position, I think. Yeah, oh, 100%. Because essentially at the beginning, the, the four was just a secondary big. Yeah. It was a smaller five. But yeah. now to have guys that are as versatile as they are that play this position, I would argue that the four is the unicorn spot now. That's right. where you want your, like, like, that's where you want to go get your freakish athletes like Chet. Like Evan Mobley, like in my opinion, that's that's where you want those guys to thrive, right? Oh yeah, Giannis. Yeah, we, and then we can yeah, add a Giannis. Yeah, but then even then, like you know, you're even seeing like you, you know we're talking about how like you know it's changed a little bit. The Pistons are probably going to try to run Isaiah Stewart at the four, but the difference is is he's going to have to play more, way more of a perimeter game in order to make that work because that's the thing about the four. You have to be able to do both, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, man, I when when you look at. Uh, we didn't even get like there, dude. There's just guys like holy cow, like mm-hmm. Amari Stoudemire, Lamar Odom, Serge Ibaka. Like, dude, like there's just so many. Draymond different... Green, I think Draymond Green, dude, Draymond Green. Good. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my yeah. lord, man. Yeah, there's just too many guys that played this position there insanely. I, I really, I really like Antonio him. McDice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was 100%. waiting for a Troy. Uh, <laughs> a Troy Bob. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for like Mehmet Okor or something. I was just waiting. Just bring him up randomly again. No, McDice was a fun guy though. We got to admit. Oh, I loved Antonio McDice. Money, absolute money. You know, you know what else is money? You guys. 
all the people <laughs> that are watching, but also the guys that get to do this podcast with. This was an awesome episode, man. I love doing this with you guys each and every week. And just thanks so much for making the time and doing this with me each and every week. It means a lot. I love you both a ton. But thank you as well to the people that are listening and and take each week to hang out with us and talk basketball here at From Half Court because that's what we do each and every week. We're going to talk basketball, and that is what we love to do. If you like that, be sure you like this. Be sure you subscribe to the channel. Be sure you leave a positive review and be sure to share it with a friend. Also, you like that new logo we have? Pretty sick, right? You should go follow all of it on the all the other social platforms, FH Court Pod on Twitter, FH Court Pod on, on TikTok, or there on Instagram too. Be sure to find us. Seriously, a lot of From Half Court content all over social media. You're not going to want to miss a bit of it. But we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. Follow my guys Jeff at Jeff Iafrady and Troy Sergey 44 And we will catch you guys next time from Half Court. Be sure to subscribe.